Hey friends, thanks for listening to Marriage Therapy Radio. Zach and Laura here. Um, We're excited about today's topic. About five times a year, I get to go and participate in um, what's called the Art and Science of Love. It's the uh, two-day conference for couples that the Gottman Institute puts on. Last weekend, I got to hear from John and Julie, and that always um, makes my brain explode. And so we're going to get to talk about it a little bit today. Uh, Stick around. How was your weekend? Oh, this week, this last weekend was actually pretty cool. So I have gotten into this little ritual. So five times a year, mm-hmm. the Gottman Institute puts on a, what they call the art and science of love in Seattle. Yeah. You know this. Yeah. Um, and this one, this last week was one of them. Um, there were like 500 couples there. And it was a huge crowd. I cannot believe how big these events have yeah, grown. It was yeah. pretty big. Um, and you know, so for two days, you're just kind of drinking from the fire hose, right? Because John and Julie are just up there teaching and I get to kind of be reminded of all the different things that are subtleties, perhaps that I'm not um, mm-hmm. leveraging all the time. But my other favorite part of the weekend is I generally um, stay downtown on Saturday night. Uh-huh. So I get to go um, out with your work boyfriend. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't go out with them. I mean, sometimes I do. But mostly what I do is I wait till about five o'clock uh-huh. and I go on hotwire.com. I tell you this. And no, I, but I, I dial up this... my like four star hotel. Yeah. You have a habit of doing that. And I get like a, like a $99 room and I just go there and I just stay there by myself Yeah, yeah. for the whole night. Hold um, on. I just want to draw some hilarious because in the last episode, I talked about you sleeping on your couch in the birdhouse and now you're talking yeah. about staying in a hotel room. So I just want everybody to know that you do live at home from time to time. You do sleep do. in your, in your marital bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. No, no, but it's I okay do. to enjoy your alone time for sure. I'm just a super introvert. So especially if I'm around 500 or a thousand people for eight yeah, hours, you get tapped out Then I'm totally tapped out. So I have to go. Don't even make eye contact with me. That is too much for an introvert <laughs> right now. I can't even handle that amount of yeah. intimacy. <laughs> um, you know, it was fun though. I think it was really fun because there were people at the, at the event who were like, Oh my gosh, Zach Brittle. Um, I, I listened to the podcast and I was like, cool. They hunted you down. They're like, where is Zach? They're looking well, for I a handsome in, okay, guy so with beautiful hair. During one of the breakout sessions, I walk into this room and this woman jumps up um, and she's supposed to be like doing an exercise, right? Right. She right. jumps up and she's like, hi, hi. I just, I just wanted to introduce myself because I listened to the podcast and I was like, hi. She's probably um, listening right now. Hi, I, I, I want to say then, hi to you. Do you miss me? It was me? hilarious though. I want to see if I, I want to see if she remembers this though, because this is what I thought was most funny. Um, so she says, "This is my husband, um, whatever his name was, um, yeah, uh, Eric or something, you know." And she's, I just wanted to introduce you. She did not introduce herself, <laughs> and, and the reason is she thinks she knows me already. Uh huh. We are deep. We have deep personal friends. They know so much yeah. about us and what's going on in our life. Yeah. And probably three or four times. And they always asked about you. They're like, where's Laura? And I was like, right. she's, she's, uh, I don't know where she is. She's, she's in a camper <laughs> down by the river. So that was yeah. pretty fun. But, but oh. um, we, sh- I would love to come to the ASL. Do you think that they would pair us together so that we could work together? That's not how it works. Yeah. But you, oh. you'd have to be paired with a master, master trainer, master rover. Well, I would sit next yeah. to you and then we could pass notes like we were in Mm-mm. class. No, year. I sit next to Lawrence. Mm-mm. Well, you have two sides. You know that, right? No, I, I sit on the sit end. On the- I sit on the end and he sits in the second chair. That's how it goes. Sorry. I can only have one work wife. <laughs> and does Lawrence. Lawrence lives? Does he listen to this podcast? Only if I tell him to. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> hey, 
by the way, I'm going to commit you to doing this because I wanted to talk about it on the podcast so that everybody will hold you accountable. But a long time ago, as my son would say, a long, long time ago, he starts all his stories like it's a like a, ch- a children's book that he's reading. Um, but we did a podcast or we did a webinar actually on the five truths of infidelity. And I just need you to commit to doing and it was for the betrayed partner. We need okay. we have another half. We need to finish. Do you commit Zachary Brittle right now? <laughs> To me, on doing a webinar on the five truths of infidelity for the betrayer. Only say, on one condition. Yes? One okay. condition. Let's hear it. I don't think it's cool to use betrayed and betrayer. I think that that is too stigmatizing. I think we okay. need to say the harmed partner and the involved partner. Okay. I, that is, I can agree to that. That's, that's easy. Can you commit to doing this in the next 20 days? Um, yes. Thank no, you. That's all I on. needed. Uh, give, hold on. Give me, give me like 27. I can do it before I go into the woods. Okay. All right. That's a good deadline. You heard it here first, folks. Zach has committed to doing a webinar because wouldn't you all love to have that as a resource? I would. Okay. Moving on. Here's what we're talking about. You ready? Stop ready. looking at your calendar. I know what you're doing right now. Stop looking. Okay. Okay. We are going to talk about flooding. Because it's been on my mind. I have had some amazing conversations with couples in the last couple of weeks about what's considered emotional flooding. And I wanted to talk. What? Why are you laughing? Somebody else came up to me at the, at the event and was like, Gosh. no, no. She goes, she goes, yeah, I really do like your hair. Yeah, that's really nice <laughs> hair. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, right. Duh, duh, right. Sh- Laura gosh. says it looks good. So weird. <laughs> You're such right. a celebrity, Zach. You've been talking about, okay, you've been thinking about flooding. flooding. This is yeah. good because I I actually really enjoyed um, this part of the, the weekend because John and Julie teach this really uh, cleanly, I think. So uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll have some, um, I'll have some fresh perspectives straight from the, from well, the, why don't you, uh, I was going to say horses mouths. I was going to say horses mouths, but they're not horses. Um, no, 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 no. You take the lead and I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just um, okay. see if I see what I can see if I can channel these guys. Okay. So here's what flooding um, oftentimes will look like when couples come in and they say, man, we had a really bad fight. I want to know what did it look like? And so I'll just describe to you a pattern that one of the couples that I work with gets into, and it's pretty common. They have a fight an argument. It escalates. And typically what will happen is, one of them will cry and the other one will storm off and will leave the house and will be gone for a day and then we'll come back. And I said, that's great. What, what happened between the two of you before you cried and before you decided to turn and leave the house? And we started talking about the feelings that were coming up and what their body was doing, because there's this thing that happens when you are, um, basically like emotionally flooded. And that's just a way to describe it. But your heart rate starts to quicken while you are in conflict with your partner. And you begin to feel as if you are escalating. Everybody kind of feels it differently in their body. But the tell, 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 how do you say that? Telltale sign? Telltale. Telltale sign. Telltale. Telltale. Telltale sign. Yeah. Is that your heart. We, We all know what you mean. Thank you reaches up and over a hundred beats per minute. And the yeah. moment that your heart rate reaches up and over a hundred beats per minute, 
your body has entered into and your mind has entered into fight or flight mode. Okay. It's called diffuse physiological arousal. DPA, right? DPA. And it's the part, this is the part where I I just, my my jaw drops when John starts talking about it because he begins to, to explain all of the things that are happening with your biology specifically Mm -hmm. that the way that your blood flow changes, right? Because in fight or flight mode, what's happening is your body thinks it's about to be eaten by a lion, right? Right. And so all your blood kind of goes into your gut. Mm-hmm. which means it's leaving your extremities and it's, and it's, yeah. and it's shutting down some faculties that are really critical, like the, your access to humor, even sometimes your access to language, sometimes your access to critical being to conflict, to, but not to yeah. conversation, but not critical to fighting a right. saber toothed tiger. Right. Right, 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 right. So, so you start to repeat yourself. You start to mm-hmm. um, not hear things um, exactly right. Um, your ability to, again, access humor is gone. So that, so that part of the, relationship has been eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really just makes the, it basically means that no, nothing productive can happen at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. I like the idea. So um, Dan Siegel it talks about you flipping your lid essentially. Mm-hmm. And what he means by flipping your lid is that when you go into fight or flight mode, your brain basically says, well, uh, no need to use my prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for logic and reasoning and empathy and all these amazing things that you need to communicate with your partner in a loving manner um, and do problem solving. But you, your brain switches from the front of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, to the back of your brain, which is your reptilian brain. That's the old brain that is really there to keep you safe. Um, and so you operate a lot like like a caveman at those points, which is kind of interesting because I think we could all probably remember moments when when we're in conflict with our partner and you're watching your partner behave badly, essentially. And they're really kind of just behaving like a caveman because they're in fight or flight mode. Here's one interesting part. I often will ask people, how do you know when you're flooded? Well, the number one reason is they'll your heart rate is up and over a hundred beats per minute. That's going to set the cycle off of in releasing cortisol and adrenaline through your body. Well, and the but reason they know that is because they pause real quick and they put their two fingers on their wrist and they count to 15, <laughs> right? Nobody's going to do that in the midst of conflict, especially if you are flooded, you are not going to take a moment and actually take your heart rate. Oh, well, babe, I think we need to take a break. Looks like I'm at 103 beats per minute. Well, the other but thing that John body, says, the other thing that John emphasizes is that most people don't know how to measure their own heart rate. Like they, Um, um, and so part of what I wanted to sort of cut off before you said the rest is it's important to be able to get a baseline every now and again so that mm -hmm. you can, you can pay attention to the other cues, right? Whether your face flushes or your back starts to sweat or your skin, you know, starts to get goosebumps or something because, or you start to cry because crying isn't flooding necessarily. Um, so right now, like these Apple watches can tell you what your pulse is and, mm-hmm. um, but maybe you do need to take a, a, a little bit of extra time to go ahead and measure it because, you know, we just don't know. I, I, I could tell you what my resting heart rate is, but I don't know what my heart rate is at this moment. Um, sure. and I can't just go, mm, you know, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. guess. Yeah. But so what you just mentioned, I really appreciate, which is there you have body cues that when you do get flushed with cortisol and adrenaline, your heart rate is up over 100 beats per minute. We all have these special little things that we know happen to our body that alerts us that we're in discomfort or we're we're feeling flooded. 
And I can tell you, um, I stop exhaling. So my chest gets Mm. really tight and I end up taking a lot of shallow inhales, but I don't exhale and I end up almost hyperventilating. But that's when I feel um, like flooded. That's how I know other people sweat and um, Mm. they feel their back sweat or their hands sweat. Uh, Their face gets flushed. Um, I had one. This was interesting. I think I saw this on a TED talk and they said, do you know why when you flood? you pace back and forth. And they said, that's actually an evolutionary, um, evolute evolutionary, uh, sign basically that you are looking for an exit. So when you feel flooded, Mm. you're in fight or flight. The pacing is actually an unconscious search for an exit route, which I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember that guy at the, at the workshop we did a few weeks ago, he said he curls his toes. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I, that's a Toe curling, I've only heard, is a good sign, not a bad sign. But yeah, I thought that right. was interesting. Uh, yeah. um, this is another thing that they said at the conference. Julie um, is really passionate, particularly about um, sort of not defending, but but including and lifting up women and making sure that we pay attention to how they respond uniquely. And her mm-hmm. point is that a lot of women who are prone to flooding um, usually flood because of some kind of past trauma. It's usually triggering some kind of uh, event in their story, mm-hmm. but because women are conditioned to be relational throughout their whole lives, yeah. when they flood, what they typically do is, is just stay, stay present, but right. not right. They, they'll, they'll flood with a very straight sort of flat face because they're, they can't look away because relationally mm-hmm. they are, you know, they've been trained to stay in it. Yeah. To be hospitable, so, to be relational. And so they yeah. have an especially hard time because they're feeling unsafe and like they can't leave at the same time. And mm-hmm. so they sort of freeze. And she, um, I, I just really appreciate how she makes sure that, um, that people can understand the differences there. Yeah. That, that sounds interesting to me because typically what I see, so we're going to talk about, first of all, we're talking about how to identify when you're feeling flooded. When Mm -hmm. your body is reacting to this feeling of unsafe um, and insecurity and is dumping cortisol and adrenaline through your body, your heart rate is racing, you're no longer using your prefrontal cortex, you can't think, you can't communicate with your partner, what do you do? Because typically, Mm -hmm. couples are fighting incorrectly, where they're flooding, the conversation is escalated, they're flooding, and then they're still trying to hash it out, still trying Mm -hmm. to stick through it. And what you just described with females being um, sort of culturally ingrained to try and be relational and and stay through it, stick it out. Um, And we know that men do this thing quite often uh, where they are stonewalling. So men are sort of retreating within and they're still present in the conversation, but there's, there's nothing going on. There's like Mm -hmm. a stonewall. Their eyes are, are downcast. Everything about their body language is closed off and they're no longer responding to you and giving you cues that they're listening and then women are still trying to stay in it and still talking and move my hands like the flapping mm-hmm. jaw. Um, but I find one of these arguments is one person will say, I need to end this conversation. I need to be done. And women are saying, and I don't want to generalize too much. We need to solve this problem. Don't mm. check out on me. I want, I want to abandon talking. me. Don't abandon me. I want to keep talking. Yeah. So the thing that we're talking about is what do you do? when you're escalated, when, or when one or both of you are feeling emotionally flooded. And I, 
the biggest one is you need to take a break. You've well, got to pull the plug. Yeah. And the, this to me becomes now a strategic, a strategic issue, not a relationship issue. Because if you, if one or both of you is flooded and you try to keep going, that is a bad strategic move. It right. is a waste of time. Exactly. I, I'm all about, I mean, to me, it's just becomes about efficiency. It's like, oh, shoot. One of us is flooded. This is now a waste of time. We might as well stop. That's not yeah. an, that's not a relationship issue, particularly if you have, you know, you listen to this podcast and you go, oh yeah, that's us. And we need to figure out how to do that because I'm not trying to abandon you. I'm just flooded. And oh, I'm not trying to, you know, and yeah. that's how, again, you translate content or, or context that you're getting from your therapist or your book or your podcast or whatever into real life is you, you actually figure mm-hmm. out how to apply this stuff. But, but yeah, you got to take a break because otherwise it's just a bad tactic which mm-hmm. if you was coaching your team and you were using a bad tactic and you weren't advancing the ball, I would be like, we need to change tactics. Even yeah. if it means we slow down a little bit, you know? Like, yeah. I think that there's a lot of people listening that are like, yes, thank you. Finally, somebody is saying it's okay to take a break. It's okay to check out and say, I'm done having this conversation. Um, and then other people are like, don't give them an excuse to leave. Mm-hmm. Don't you do that. And, um, and I've heard both, both sides of it. But the difference between somebody walking out on a conversation and leaving the house and being gone for a day is that this is a mutually agreed upon break that you're taking for the betterment of the relationship. It's the idea of, man, you know what? This is an important conversation. You are important to me. But right now I am so emotionally flooded. I can't hear a single word that you're saying. And not only that, I can't have empathy for you. Mm. I don't have any grace. I don't have any um, curiosity and I don't, I've lost all ability to, uh, be kind and respectful. So I'm going to take a break and we are going to take a break so we can come back to this conversation when we are, uh, level-headed. And the point I would want to make too, is that that's just true. It's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's not mature or immature. It's just true. It's right. time to take a break and yeah. that sucks. The timing may be bad, but Otherwise, it is literally a waste of time. John likes to say that the number one thing that couples argue about is nothing. And that's, <laughs> that's because so they that's because they keep going once they've stopped talking about the issue and started talking about how you're talking to me. And, oh, no, you don't. And why do you, you know, like, that's not, a, yeah. it's not okay. The way, I de- the way I describe it is you just need to do no harm. Like you've entered into a place where now you are at a, a real risk of doing harm to your partner by mm. saying something that's going to hurt them by saying something that's going to hurt the relationship. So we're going to go ahead and take a break before you get to that place. So I want to give the rules because taking a break, you can, have to follow can, can the guidelines. About, can I talk about nope. S and M? Oh, well, I think you have already, but I always love it when you talk about S and M. No, because this is where I think it needs to be understood in the same way that this is understood. If, if, if you and your partner are into bondage, right? Tying each other up or risky sex, a little bit of pain, um, or you get turned on by the pain and, and you we enter this agreement, this, I think in episode 69 or 70, but anyway, go on. I love this. Yeah, no, I just think, um, there's, um, the main point I want to make is you generally there's a safe word built in. So if, mm-hmm. if, if we're, if we're having risky sex and I'm feeling unsafe, I'm going to say Royal unicorn and it's time to turn on the lights on time. You bring me a glass of water, that whole bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But the agreement in that, in that setting is that you don't use the safe word when you're kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if we're going to take that principle over into conversation and conflict, yeah. you yes. don't get to bail when you're just a little bit uncomfortable. 
you right. ha- you have to you have and that's where I think people betray the break taking part because they mm-hmm. go fuck this I don't need I'm out of I'm out of here versus yeah. hold on a second um, this isn't going to go well real unicorn let's take a break get a glass of water yeah I just think it's really important to emphasize that if you're going to take a break you have to do it responsibly and respectfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within the agreement, like right? That. Because there's going to be conflict and not all conflict's going to lead to flooding. Some of it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, right. But it doesn't mean it's harmful. Uh, okay. So that's amazing. I don't think we've really talked about that. Is there the conflict is going to be uncomfortable, but you need to know the difference. And both of you need to be able to discern and draw the line between discomfort and emotionally flooding. Yeah. And like we had talked about is you probably need to know your baseline, need to understand what does it feel like in my body when my heart rate is up and over a hundred beats per minute? Cause that's when it goes from discomfort to flooding. Yeah. Um, so let and, me just, and where, guidelines. and where, when to keep going is going to be harmful. Right. Yeah. To the relationship, if not to one or both partners, but at mm-hmm. least to the relationship. So guidelines quickly about what this, this break looks like. Mm-hmm. So research indicates it takes at least 20 minutes and mm-hmm. oftentimes longer, but a minimum of 20 minutes, a maximum of 24 hours is what you have said in the past, right? That's actually what Julie said. I mean, just straight up, Amazing. you know, the prescription yeah. is at least 20 minutes, not more than 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so you're going to take a break and you're going to go to two separate places of <laughs> two separate rooms in, in the house. Um, and I would say I had this conversation actually with a client where uh, he had a history of leaving the home, which would leave her feeling abandoned and not only her, but the children as well. Because mm. whenever we talk about this, oftentimes there are little ears in the room. They're watching this conflict go down. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be uh, setting the precedence of how to manage conflict, wave the white flag, have them see that you can take a break and then you can come back to conflict. So you're going to set an alarm and minimum of 20 minutes. Uh, and you're going to say, let's come back and talk about this in 20 minutes. And you're going to go to two separate rooms in the house, or maybe one of you walks the dog. Um, and you're going to do something that's truly self-soothing for you. So for me, I would probably clean the kitchen because believe it or not, mm. that actually makes me feel really good. Yeah. I what make would the you bed. do? I make the bed. Oh, you make the bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, could you make the bed over and over for 20 minutes or would you just take like, be very no, thorough? I just, and then I just like move things around the bedroom and, like fold clothes or something. Like I basically just go to my room and just pout yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so you do something that's soothing. And in order to soothe or to bring your heart rate back down, you can't continue thinking about these thoughts. So you're not going to ruminate about what you were just talking about that caused you to escalate. You have to thought stop and turn your attention towards something completely different. So if you are somebody that needs to watch trashy television and get super engaged in the Kardashian storyline, go for it. Um, for 20 I still minutes. never heard her voice before. You are not missing out. Just saying, buddy. It's totally fine. So then you're going to come back after the 20 minutes Life and then you're going to start the conversation again. And that's probably the most important piece of building trust into the relationship. And not only that, but trust in the real, in the family, because imagine you have this conflict and kids are watching. They need to see the beginnings of the conflict and the end, which means that when you decide, hey, we got to take a break. This is getting too loud. This is getting out of control. You go, you do your thing for 20 minutes and then have the kids see you come back. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to build trust and security in that relationship and in the home, they need to see you come back to that conflict and have it uh, be resolved. So here's a question that I get all the time 
uh, is this one, which is what if I'm not ready 20 minutes later? Well, I get that all the time too. Then you go, Hey, it's been 20 minutes. I'm still not ready. Um, just let's just set a new time. Let's set a new time or let's go to bed. Right. Like this whole idea of not going to bed angry. I'm like, no, go to bed angry because you might wake up and you're not even angry anymore. You know? Um, yeah. Or you might wake up and say rooms, go sleep in the birdhouse. I don't care. (laughs) I don't sleep in the birdhouse because I'm angry. I I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I sleep in the birdhouse because it's a good night's sleep and I enjoy it. Because you want to camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that that's, there's an art to that. And I do, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I, my kids see us argue often, but they will say out loud that my parents are really good at repair. Um, if, 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 if they're with their friends and their friends, like do your parents fight? Yeah. My parents fight, but they're really good at repair. I mean, that's just ingrained in them. And I think that that, if that's part of your kid's story, great. Because, because my kids are good at repair too. You know, mm-hmm. um, can I, I just have to say, so my son and, uh, is four and he and dad got in a fight the other day. Nice. Basically. Yeah. So Holden threw a four year old tantrum, didn't want to get dressed for school. And it resulted in dad getting angry, frustrated, yelling, uh, doing things that you wish you didn't do as a parent, but let's all say we've all done it. <laughs> um, and so I gave each of them a timeout. I came uh-huh. in and I was like, <laughs> I can tell right now that you are flooded. I can tell right now that you need a break, Holden. So you guys go to your corners. And after about 20 minutes, then I came back. And generally, this is how it happens. We tell children that they need to apologize. You need to apologize to dad for for throwing a fit. So Holden goes and he apologizes. And this is just how things operate in our household. But then what happened next? Ryan apologized. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's an important piece of the puzzle. And I think actually the Gottman Institute teaches this with the, the emotion coaching program is that it's really important for parents to accept responsibility and to also apologize. If they had done something wrong, you want to teach through modeling. So now Ryan says, you know what, buddy, thank you. I accept your apology. And I wanted to say, I'm really sorry for raising my voice with you. Um, I'll have more patience next time. So it's just kind of awesome to be able to teach our kids how to repair by repairing with them. That's my own, that's my own like last tidbit, two cents parenting. So so my gangster 12 year old, um, we got in a fight at camp a couple weeks ago and, uh, yeah. and I, I was like, you need to apologize story. to me. And she was yeah. like, you need to apologize to me. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I do need to apologize to you. And I gave it to her. Like I gave her my whole Super like solid apology. Yeah. Thorough. And she goes, thank you. And walked away. <laughs> that is and gangster. I was like you little turd you totally yeah. like baited and switched me and didn't uh-huh. and it took her like another half a day but I was so Argh. <laughs> <laughs> well she now was that like, she's Thank all you. drugged up and laying in not bed not that from, one the other uh, one the, 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 oh, the, the gangster she's 12 now Abby's 12 I mean Mary's 12 holy smoke she was literally like 8 years old like 3 months ago what happened she she grew up because <laughs> three months ago was like four years ago. Um, and Abby is 16. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's bonkers. All right. So well, anyway, let's wrap this up. I really love it. I, I love this conversation. I think it's really cool. I really love, again, the reminder that physiology matters, right? The Gottmans mm-hmm. are really keen on keeping that as a kind of a central tenet of the the methodology because – a lot of times we want to, we want, we want to solve it relationally um, because we should be able to, right. We should be able to, but physiology really matters. And that, mm-hmm. and when you're, when you're 
when your body is not cooperating, you got to just yeah. accept that as true. Yeah. There's a lot of um, opinions, right? Like mm. I have an opinion, you have an opinion, but physiology, not an opinion. Mm-hmm. That's straight up facts right yeah. there is, Hey, I'm flooded. Here's a little tip. If you notice your partner is flooded because they're doing all the things that they do when they're flooded and you think you need to take a break, don't say to your partner, hey, you need to calm down. You go take a break. You need to take a break. I think you're flooded. Yeah. um, I would just say, you know what? I'm feeling flooded right now. Yeah, totally. In this calm of tone, right? (laughs) I'm flooded. I need to take a break. Let's meet back in 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Don't point your finger at your partner. So, okay. So. Um, sorry, we're going a little longer today, but, um, so we have to, as certified Gottman therapists, we have to submit videos proving that we can, um, understand different interventions within the method. And one of them is around flooding, right? We have to help, Mm -hmm. we have to actually stop a couple in the midst of their process and, um, have them check their pulse and then help them calm down if they're flooded. Right. So the couple that I did, he was a guy who played poker on the regular for high stakes. Oh no. And okay. she was a person who was probably um uh bipolar. Lots of like manic depressive sort of episodes. So we're in my office yeah. and they get into it and she starts to just re- like kind of escalate and get loud and mm-hmm. get big and he is not, right? Um he's just kind he's of got trying a poker to face. Yeah, he's trying to kind of maintain his his stuff. I had them take their pulse. She was at like 68 and he, he was like 120. Oh my gosh. So he was flooded, but he didn't have any outward sign of it. No outward sign at all. And she was so comfortable being big Uh and loud that it didn't do anything. So again, big and loud or quiet and still is not the sign, right? That's not facts. Those are opinions, right? So he was actually the one who couldn't participate anymore. And she kept going, come on now, come on now, come on now. And he was going deeper and deeper into himself. But I was terrified by the fact that you cannot rely on the outward sign. You can't do it Uh because Uh I was like, oh, she's definitely flooded. She a hundred percent. She's flooded. I can't wait to help her breathe. And she was Uh like, I'm good. I'm good. Let's totally fine. (laughs) And he was like, yep, I need, I need to calm down. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. So you really need to know yourself and have responsibility and take ownership of, uh, I know that I am flooded and I need to take a break. So therefore we are going to take a break. Well, and that information now became helpful to her, right? Because she thinks he's Mm. calm as a cucumber. Right. And, and, and she, and he's not. So now she, she was able to go, Oh, Oh, okay. That's right. So it it began to change for them anyway. Yeah. I just remember. Okay. Now we're really going to wrap it up. Okay. Zach. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for meeting me. Yeah. And your hair looks amazing. Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, do you have any dad jokes? You haven't shared one yet. Oh, you know what? This guy sent one in and I told him, I promised I would tell it. Um, it goes like this. He said, um, it's actually a pretty good one. He's from Australia. This joke comes all the way from Australia. How do you work out how heavy a chili pepper is? How? Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. I remember. <laughs> I remember that one coming through. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the, of the red hot chili peppers. So away, I'm totally give, down with, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it um, away, give it away, give it away now. And when I was a freshman in college, I tried out for a, a, a band. Oh my. Tried to be the lead singer of a band. Uh, yeah. Just a dorm band, you know? And uh, my audition song was um, Under the Bridge Downtown. And, How's that go? Um, 
I don't ever want to feel like I did like that I day. Did that okay, day. but then, and the I was I was nailing it, right? I was nailing it. And yeah. then you get to the part where he goes, I need a <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my throat fell out and they were all like, nope, we're good. We're done. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, bold. I did not, That's- I did not make it in the band. Anyway. Thank Fun you, Warwick about. from Brisbane, Australia, <laughs> um, for that joke. And we got to go. 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 All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I have a challenge for you, something that I want for you to do right now. And if you're driving and listening to this, I want for you to do it the moment that you sit down at a table, a desk, your kitchen. Just pull out any scrap piece of paper, anything that you can find around the house. And I want for you to do a complete and total brain dump for five minutes about what you love and adore about your partner. What do you appreciate? What do you find most attractive in them? Write them a love note. Oftentimes we listen to podcasts and we take in all this great information. It goes one ear and out the other, but it is the couples who are making the biggest impact on the relationship. They're actually doing They're becoming action takers and they're doing these things. So here's one thing for you to do today. Write your partner a love note and then put it somewhere that they're going to find it. Put it on the dashboard of their car or in their wallet or underneath their pillow. Most of all, I want to say thank you so much for all of the time and attention that you are putting into your relationship, making it better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.